Militarily Speaking, Episode 13, Jim Ravella, Vice President of Programs with the Gary Sinise Foundation. This episode, we talk with Jim Ravella, Vice President of Programs for the Gary Sinise Foundation. So let me take you back a little bit, okay? So <laughs> he's um, already off script. Hey Jim, a couple of years ago, Gary was at a U.S. Army event here in Kansas City for the birthday, and he was—I think he was promoting his book too, right? His book, "Grateful American: A Journey from Self to Service." Yes, awesome book. And he was doing an autograph session. He was the keynote speaker for that event. I, of course, was stalking him because I—I, you know, I get these—I I, I like to be around celebrities, so sometimes I, I get a little crazy <laughs> about that. So, but. Awesome guy, just very genuine, very authentic. And when I reached out to you back in August to ask you if you would join us for a podcast, it was an immediate yes. So thank you for doing that. There were no questions asked. It was just, yes, sign me up. I'll do it. I want to be part of that. You you probably knew nothing about Armed Forces Bank, nothing about our podcast, but your organization said yes and, and very professional in the follow-up, and I appreciate that. I requested it on my birthday, blew out a candle. Next thing you know, you said yes. So uh, thank you for being part of this today. Oh, it's my honor. I promise. Yeah, we appreciate what you're doing and and really sharing the story. We, we really do. Thank you. You got it. Okay, let's get into the questions. Well, actually, I'm going to share a little bit of bio about Jim. Yes. Because we've had the opportunity to, to take a look, but I want to share that with our listeners so they know as well. So just a few things about Jim. He joined the Gary Sinise Foundation in May of 2019 as the Vice President of Outreach, and he's since been promoted to the Vice President of Programs. Jim is responsible for a lot of things, including implementing strategic plans and partnerships for the foundation's four programmatic pillars, and he oversees the day-to-day execution of the foundation's programmatic giving through our chapter development, educational outreach, events, outreach, and RISE departments. Like I said, a lot of different things there. Yes. Jim holds a bachelor's degree in metallurgical engineering from Texas A&M University, which if we had more time, I need to understand that degree. (laughs) (laughs) Or pronounce it correctly. Yeah, Yeah. or at least be able to pronounce it correctly, which I hope I did. Multisyllabic, Jody. You got this. I'm focused. And a master's degree in aerospace management from Embry-Riddle University. So we have clearly established he is smarter than both of us. Combined. (laughs) Combined, yes. (laughs) Jim served over 26 years in the United States Air Force. Thank you for your service. As an F-15E pilot and commanded at the squadron and group level. He has worked for General Dynamics and the Folds of Honor Foundation, where he served as senior vice president and president. And then on a personal front, he's married to Ginger Ravella, who currently serves as a Gary Sinise Foundation ambassador, which hopefully we'll learn more about that today, and speaks nationally, raising awareness for veterans and their families, as well as speaking for women's groups and churches. As promised, you do a lot of stuff, and you have done a lot of stuff. We're thrilled to have you here. Welcome. One more thing. Let me interrupt you. You're a Texas a You're an Aggie fan. Is that right? Yes. You And you beat my Razorbacks recently. Is that right? Yes, that was a close one, huh? Okay, yep. This again ends they the podcast. They needed to beat the so. Razorbacks, though. <laughs> I know. After they lost to who did they lose to recently? The Aggies or no? Yeah, the Aggies at home. Oh yeah, Appalachian State. Yes. That was our, oh, not our good. Yeah, don't bring that up. He's, he's, yeah, that's he's not a good just year. getting hey, I'm over just it. Just trying to be a part of the sports talk here. <laughs> well, the Razorbacks probably helped him through that. So <laughs> that's right. So we are we are thrilled that you are here today. I think at the, at the top of the house, I know a lot of people probably have heard of the Gary Sinise Foundation. 
but they might not understand really what it's all about. If you could share how it got started, how you got involved, and what made the decision to support the vision and mission that Gary established when he created the foundation an easy decision for you to make. Yeah. So I'll start with how kind of the history of the foundation. So it goes pretty far back. I'm into Gary's, into his life. The foundation's been just passing through its 12th year, but truly it's been about 40 years of Gary's life that he is dedicated to supporting the veterans and then first responders post 9-11. So Gary's attachment through his family, his grandfather served in World War One. His, his father served. He had uncles in World War II, and then he had family members and in-laws his, that served in Vietnam. And, you know, coming out of Vietnam, I think that that point where Gary witnessed his family members coming back from the Vietnam that experience was impactful for him to see, you know, how they were treated and then experiencing, you know, firsthand through them was impactful to him. So, you know, in Gary's life, he's he's in theater at that point and he decides to do he sees a play called Tracers. It's actually a Vietnam veterans experience about the war. He sees that play and He's in Steppenwolf in Chicago. That's the theory he's running. And he wants to do that play. And he asked for, I think it takes five years for the, the person who wrote the play to authorize Gary to do that play, Tracers. That was also impactful because then Gary does this play. He sees a response from the Vietnam veterans who watched it. And to this day, the foundation offers that play free for veterans on Tuesdays at Steppenwolf. So it's just, that was a, a start of seeing the impact of how through the arts, you can help people recovering from war. So. Gary does that. Then 9-11 happens. Gary gets uh, obviously wants to do something. He does not want to have the same experience for our current veterans that we had through Vietnam. And, and he starts reaching out and just helping organizations. Now Gary's come out of the role of Forrest Gump when he's playing Lieutenant Dan. And he gets an award from the DAV shortly after that movie comes out. And he goes to the DAV to receive the award. And he realizes the impact of what that role, how he portrayed Lieutenant Dan and his recovery from his wounds. And he sees a unique opportunity then now to give back and to support our veterans. And so that kind of propels him into this post 9-11 era of his life where he is doing whatever he can to help any veteran organization. He starts getting involved with first responders after that and spends the next 20 years doing that and then starts his own foundation and decides to go out. So if you look at our foundation's mission, uh, what we do is to help any veteran, a defender, a veteran, a first responder, their family, or those in need. It's very broad. It doesn't say we are strictly for education. We're not strictly for homes. We're not strictly for, it's whatever those needs are in those communities. So it's very broad and it's purposely that broad because that's what Gary was doing for 30 years prior to this foundation was helping anybody who was out there to just say thank you to a veteran and a first responder to the sacrifices that they made so they know they're appreciated and not forgotten and to truthfully be a conduit for the American people who want to express that thanks to a veteran or first responder but don't know what to do or how to do it to be that trusted place where you could go I know if I support the Gary's News Foundation we will do good work with those funds so that's that's why our mission is is so broad it's built upon Gary's life 40 years of his life. So not just the 10 years of the foundation or 12 years that we've existed. So sure, that's wonderful. How did you get connected with Gary Sinise Foundation and make that leap? Yeah, so that's a little, I mean, it's an interesting story. So in uh, 2005, at the end of the year, Ginger, so I'll start with Ginger, my current wife, her and her, her late husband meet Gary at Luke Air Force Base at a promotion ceremony for Colonel Rand, who's then becoming General Rand. And 
Troy, Ginger's first husband, is tasked with escorting this celebrity around base for the day and his family to give him a tour. So he's like, okay, I'll give a tour to an actor. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> he spends the day with them. But just like like you said, you know, when you meet Gary, you realize how genuine he is oh, yeah. and truly how committed he is to supporting the military. It's it's probably the most common response you get when somebody meets him the first time. Was I didn't realize just really how authentic and how committed he is to helping. And that's when Troy came home that night, he told Ginger, he goes, well, that he is just a true patriot, this Gary. And Ginger meets him that night and then off they go. Troy deploys the following year and unfortunately is killed in combat about 11 months after that. And I think that was one of the first people that Gary had met that was then later killed in combat. At that time, Ginger had five kids. They were nine and under. She had twins that were nine months old when Troy was killed. She was just about to give birth when she met Gary. So just there was a connection between Ginger and Gary from that moment. Ginger goes back to Snowball Express, which was an organization that supported children of fallen. And Gary took the band there. This is during Gary's years of supporting nonprofits. And he, he played the band there every year for those kids. And Ginger was at that first one and went and met Gary, reconnected with him. And so they stayed in touch. The year after that, Unfortunately, I lost my first wife to cancer, and I had randomly sent an email to some friends that ended up getting sent to Ginger. I did not know her. Her husband, her husband was an F-16 fighter pilot. I was an F-15. We didn't cross paths professionally, but you know, we did the, basically the same job. And that email gets forwarded to Ginger, and she writes back and connects with me and my late wife, who we email for about 10 months to help Ginger as she's going through her struggle. And at the end of that, my wife passes, and Ginger and I meet the following year, and and we get married. So wow. after we're married, then I get introduced to Gary through Ginger's connection with him. So I just get to know him, know the work he's doing. And then I got out of the Air Force and ended up working nonprofit at Folds of Honor and left that and came to work for Gary. I had just the honor where Gary ended up asking if I would come over. And of course, you know, this is to me the biggest honor is to work for him. So then I that's how I came to the foundation. It's a long connection through Ginger. Wow. And what a story though. Yeah, no, it's an amazing journey. Yeah. Yeah. Because you started in 2005, and then 14 years later, you joined the foundation to work with Gary. So it's a lifetime of accomplishments between the two of you. Yes. So that's, you know, that's why Ginger's an ambassador for Gary, and she speaks for him. And we do widow retreats through an organization that Ginger helps helps lead those retreats for our widows of fallen. So our service members and first responders, widows of heroes is the initiative. And they do those each year for us on behalf of the foundation. So Ginger does that as well as speaks for the foundation and represents Gary. So we're, we definitely are all in as a family and our, we have seven kids together. I had two with my first wife. I adopted Ginger's five after we got married. Those five are recipients of Snowball Express and Gary's, the work that Gary does. So we have a, we feel like we have a personal connection to the mission and we have been recipients of Gary's passion and the love that he has for people that sacrifice for the nation. So it's an amazing story. We're privileged to be here. Those widows of retreats, you said, is that are they at the same place every time? They do move them around the country. They're the one that they're doing for, uh, I think, because the foundation's now moved to Franklin, Tennessee. So the the one for us, the widows of heroes, will be done in, in Franklin, Tennessee each year. So it's about, it happens next in early November. And the Gary Sinise Foundation recently opened another chapter in Orlando a couple of years ago, right? Yes. Yeah, so we stood up chapters. We have one in Orlando, one in San Diego. Those are volunteer run that just, work within the community to, to find the, the needs, connect the foundation to the needs of the community. Obviously, a lot of our first responder needs are local. So it's nice to have 
volunteers within those cities that connect with the police and fire and the local veterans and and direct them to our services, you know, for need. They also connect the community who want to support the foundation. Okay. Well, both Jody and I have family members in Florida, and we're thinking about you now with Hurricane Ian approaching. So we're all thinking about our families. So I hope hope everything in boots on the ground in Orlando is okay for you too. Yes, and we'll be we will be busy. I'm sure as a foundation supporting the first responders oh, yeah. that that react to that the hurricane as it comes through. So in the aftermath of that. We will be there on the ground with him. I uh, before we started our podcast, I listened to a podcast where Gary was a guest, and he talked about what, what his life was forty years ago. And he says, "I never, if I had to envision where I would be forty years later, no way. I never would have thought I'd be in a place where I am." But he's thrilled that he's here. He talked about of mice and men being his most proud moment in the theatrical world, too. Yeah, <laughs> kind of cool. He's and he's the same guy. I mean, he'll he'll just talk normally to everybody and just like the everyday guy not wanting to get a lot of fanfare about it but just does his thing well and hearing the story it's one of those where as you hear it play out it's just one where things happen for reasons and people are yeah. where they're supposed to be for reasons and you meet the people you're supposed to meet for reasons and and here we are present day i think i need a moment i believe we, that we should take a five minute break don't you think after hearing that story i don't know i still have goosebumps though. i know i do too yeah all right, Jim, we're going to switch gears a little bit, talk a little bit more about the programs themselves. But so can you talk about the program for our listeners to hear a little bit more detail about RISE, right? RISE, it's Restoring Independence, Supporting Empowerment. And you talked about whether Gary, he doesn't really focus on one thing, education, homes, but this is a component of where you've stepped up in the RISE program to help on the home side. Yeah, so that that grew out of, you know, Gary's initial connection when the wounded were coming home. Some of the first quad amputees, you know, that came back from Iraq and Afghanistan and Gary would spend time at the hospitals and meet them. And then obviously they had needs, special needs for a house and there were, you know, people that wanted to build them homes and Gary would take the band and go do fundraisers to build their homes. And he was involved with many of the other wounded in the beginning. So that's when he stood up the foundation, why we kept that part of the mission, which is to build specially adapted smart homes for our severely disabled, was born from his actions in the beginning of the, after post 9-11 of supporting those veterans with the band. So yeah, we, we do four things under that, under RISE. So we, we do the specially adapted smart homes, which are custom homes built for families of severely disabled who are post 9-11. We do home modifications for any veteran. So we've done those for World War II veterans, Vietnam, Korean. Uh, we do home mods, which could range from putting a ramp into the house to modding a bathroom or a kitchen to make the home accessible mm-hmm. for our veterans as they age. We do adaptive vehicles. So obviously people that suffer amputations or injuries that need vehicles, special vehicles, we provide those and we provide mobility devices. So everything about RISE is to support their independence is why what it stands for. Restoring independence and supporting empowerment. It's all focused around that, letting them live a normal life with their families and and uh, not have to alter the way they live or what they can and can't do because of their injuries and what they gave to this nation. So yeah, it's a really special program. The the smart homes, we do about six to eight of those a year. Okay. We do them all over the country, wherever the veteran would like to live. We work with them to find the, the land that they would like and, and design the home around that family, specific that family. So none of those two homes are alike. They're all designed for that family's needs. So yeah, it's really special. How many homes so far? About seventy-eight, I think, is where we're at. We awesome. got, I think, two more this year that will that will finish out the year. But those homes are focused, obviously, on accessibility for the veteran. But the impact of the whole family is amazing because 
obviously it gives independence to the whole family who may be in a home where the, the spouse can't leave because of the, the way the house is mm-hmm. depth. I can't, the veteran service member can't be home alone. And then they have a home now where it's fully functional for them and it gives independence to the yeah. spouse and to the kids as well. So, and we, you know, connect into the community that they come into to interest the community, these amazing people that will live in their neighborhoods and, and that's all part of that program. So it's more than just the house for the veteran. I know. I'm sure it just peels an entire layer of stress off of the off of the family unit. I'm sure. Yes, they're really. It's really amazing. And how do you connect these veterans that need your services? And I know this podcast is just one other outlet by which you can get the word out there about what great programs you offer. So uh, thank you for sharing the details. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I want to hear a little bit more. You mentioned it a few minutes ago about Snowball Express. This one pulls at my heartstrings. I've had some friends that have participated as volunteers in that effort. But for those in our audience that don't know, I'd love to have you share in your words what that program is and how people can get involved if they want to support it or volunteer or otherwise be a part of that initiative to help the children of the fallen. Yeah, it's a, obviously a personal one for me, but Snowball was its own independent foundation and nonprofit that Gary supported again in the early years with the band every year he would go to Snowball. It was designed to take Children of Fallen to Disneyland for about four days and they would take the families there. It still is built around that, although we've grown it to more than that. And about three years ago, we took over. In 2018, we absorbed Snowball into a Gary Sneeze Foundation initiative so that we fully took that over. And we now do it at Disney World. And we have about 20, just over 2,300 families enrolled into that program who are families of fallen. So it doesn't have to be combat related. It's post 9-11, but it's any service related death. Those families qualify for that. So we still do the annual event, which is we go to Disney World and we take the families. We'll take roughly 2,000 people down every year. So we take a portion of those 2,300 total families. There'll be about 800 this year, 800 kids plus their families will go down this December. It's always in the first, around the first week of December. And we take them down to Disney World and just let them, a lot of special things. So obviously it's fun. It's a time for them. Really the main goal of that program is to connect those families into community. So they see, you know, they're not alone. So it's, they form friendships and they meet each other every year. We do some special things down there. We have a remembrance garden where we put up a flag for every fallen member, family member that's there. So the kids can go into this room and it's quiet and somber and and just sit with that flag. It has their loved one's story on the flag. And, and a lot of times they'll leave notes. It's really special yeah. for them to be in there. When my daughters went, that was their favorite part was just to go into that room and just to, to be alone and just to think about their dad. So that's really special. We have a resource firm where we bring other nonprofits in and government agencies that support the family. So if they need any help, they can go find a resource in that room. So from things to other educational nonprofits or nonprofits that support families of fallen to the U.S. government, you can get your ID remade mm-hmm. while you're there. So some of those families who aren't near military installations, sure, sure. they can go in there and get their IDs. Just try to make, you know, we try to make it life a little bit easier as much as we can for them. And so we then expanded the annual event to community events. So all during the year we do I mean, we just finished two of them. We'll go into communities and let's say we around Atlanta, Georgia, we'll contact all the snowball families, say, hey, we're going to go do a fun day. It may be go to the Georgia Aquarium, it may be go to a sporting event, but we just go do something with them. Usually something where they get a little extra access to do something special. And it just, again, 
reconnects them to the community of the people they met at the annual event. These kids and these spouses become friends, the, the parents that are, you know, also have to deal with this every day of the year. Then they have that support network within themselves. So it's really important to just build that community. And so we do all year long, we do events with them. And then we do the annual event. So it's really special. It's, it's a huge, you mentioned volunteers. There's probably over 2,000 volunteers that help. Wow that help with snowball. Yeah, it's I would think you'd have amazing. to have a lot. I've taken my two children yeah. to Disney World and it was, That's enough. It was, yeah, amazing. that was that was plenty. Yeah. So having 800 kiddos to take care of would be a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we have a great partner American Airlines is our official airline sponsor. They chart we they we have a charter aircraft and we pick up kids from all over the country and there's send-offs at every airport where they are American Airlines and volunteers go out and there's there's bands, the gates are all decorated for them when they get on the airplane and then they come into Orlando. There's a big welcome there. It's just from the moment it starts, we uh, try to make it really special for them. That's awesome. I have goosebumps again. I know. And so American Airlines has been a huge, huge partner for us in that. When I've seen some of the pictures post event that you have shared on your different social media sites and the smiles are ear to ear genuine. It's, it's wonderful to give them the bonding that you're talking about, but also just to let those kids be kids and enjoy something that's pretty amazing like that. Yeah. You know, with COVID, we had to do virtual for two years. So we did two, we did that virtual. We pulled off, you know, we did everything pretty much that we would do in person. We, we did virtually and that was fun, but we're excited this year to be back in person and Gary and the band and we'll be playing for the kids. So it's a, it's a great week for them and a great week for the foundation. And, and, uh, you know, it's just, this is the ultimate sacrifice that those families make. And it's something they live with each and every day. And for us to do a little bit to just remind them, that their sacrifices and forgotten is important to Gary and it's important to the foundation. Yeah. He has a special place in his heart for, for those families. I guess I can only hope for that kind of fanfare for my family at an airport too, because it sounds like you really take good care of them. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I think Jim kind of answered the next question mm-hmm. too, about the participants in the snowball express, but why don't you go on to the next question yeah, for yeah. Jim? So I wanted to also visit, you've got so many different things going on with the foundation that it's hard to figure out how we jam them all into this time, but we'd love to hear also about Soaring Valor and how you honor the service of World War II veterans through that program. You know, having read about it, I I can't imagine that you just don't get overwhelmed with the appreciation from the veterans that, that are part of that. But could you share a little bit with our audience about Soaring Valor and what that means and, and how you pull that off? Yeah, that, that's our right now as it exists. It, it's going to adapt, it, obviously, in the future, but it was built around the World War II veteran and taking them down to New Orleans to the National World War II Museum and bringing those veterans to let them experience their museum that was built in honor of them and the greatest generation. So we usually, again, COVID, we, we couldn't do these trips in COVID. We're going to do November. We have our first post-COVID Soaring Valor. So that program will, again, with our partner, American Airlines, supports that. So we'll depart out of the city. So the veterans in a certain area, we will they'll meet at the airport. We will then fly them down to New Orleans. There's a big welcome again at the airport. They get to the hotel. The streets are lined with people for them to honor them. And we bring them in and we spend three days. It's a three-day trip and we take them to the museum. We do dinners with them and do some special events to honor them. They come with a guardian and then three times a year in a normal year, we'll do five of those three of those will pair up high school students. So there'll be a high school selected from the area of the city we're departing from. And we'll pair up a student with the veterans and they'll travel with them and do wow. the museum with them. So Gary's vision and that, what an experience. I will, that was Gary's vision. It was his vision for that to 
to match a student with a World War II veteran because Gary's very passionate about passing on. Well, can you imagine the stories that you would hear yeah. just being around that group of Especially for a different generation veterans. that so far removed from that too, to, to get that yes. close to it. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, to be a so fly that's, on the wall. We do that three times and it's really special. My, one of my first things I did when the foundation was go on a soaring valley. And I'm Air Force. I love military history. Of course, I love my dad fought in World War II. It was, but I will tell you, walking through that museum was one of the most impactful things I've done was to walk in the museum with someone who was actually there. And you don't really think about it till you're walking up and there's a gentleman, you know, with his daughter looking at this picture of the Battle of Bulge and he's going, I was there. Yeah. And he knew he knew about the time frame because of the socks someone had on in that oh, picture. And he goes, Oh, I remember. I remember that. And I was thinking how powerful it was to watch someone share. You know, I've never been to a museum with someone who experienced it. It was really powerful. And I think for those kids that for Gary to have that vision to bring a high school student to connect them with that generation was just it was really genius. And it's it's been a really successful. So We'll do one in November. We'll do those trips. As we do main trips like that. We also send World War II veterans individually. So say a family can't make that long trip. We'll we'll fund for them to go down to, to go see that museum. And then as that generation ages out and, you know, can't travel, then we'll, we're going to transition over to other museums around the country with other veterans and keep that connection of the of the civilian population and the kids to the next generation to the sacrifice that was made. And that's a big part of you know, Gary's mission, we have an educational outreach when that's that's part of it is to, one, let the veterans and first responders know about the foundation. What we're doing here today is letting the people who could apply for services who need any of these programs or initiatives that we're here for them. That is an educational outreach, but also we want to connect the American people to the veteran and the first responder that is making that sacrifice for our freedoms every day, both home and abroad, and to, to make that connection with them. And so, you know, the education operating through schools and the veterans is an important part of that. Yeah. I want to be walking through that museum, like you said, with somebody that has literally been in the places that you're seeing. That's a generation that doesn't often talk about that. Yes. You know, with, with granddads that served as well. And so to put them in an environment where it kind of pulls those stories out of them would probably be pretty special, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. Jim, you've talked about some of the uniqueness of the programs that you offer too, and each one of them has its own character and personality and its own attributes, its own vision. And so this is a little bit more of a broad-based question too, just about around community and education. You referenced that a little bit in in an earlier dialogue, but there's so much like serving heroes, art and entertainment outreach. So talk a little bit about those programs specifically. Yeah, Serving Heroes is a, a meals program. We serve meals. We serve meals about 70 a month all around the all around the globe. So we do a lot at mil- all military installations, USO stations, but we're just out there just providing a meal to the to our veterans and the active duty that are serving just to say thank you. I mean, it's just a it's a you know, it is a small thing, but it's just a reminder that you're not forgotten. I mean, that's everything that Gary when you look back at his life and what he was doing and why he he took the status he had, the celebrity status, and he took it and he leveraged it to go out and thank people and yeah. just just show up, just to show up and say thanks and just to let them know, hey, I'm taking my time to because what you're doing is important. And, and that's what the foundation does. It shows up on behalf of Gary now on a much larger scale, obviously. So, you know, the meals is just a way for us to show up at these installations. Some of them are remote, you know, around the world and just to go, someone back home is thinking of you. The American people are thinking of you. So we do those 
hundreds of thousands of meals a year around the world. So it's really, that's a neat one. I think we, I'll, I'll piggyback on that a little bit because we emulate some of those behaviors in our everyday life at Armed Forces Bank too. Like even at Naval Station Great Lakes, we offer a dinner for the sailors that can't get home yes. you know, during the time of the year. Or in October, our company's doing days of giving where we find different organizations for food banks, food pantries, volunteer in the food space. Food insecurity is such a big deal. Yep. Especially today. And if we can do any, if we can do our part, just like you're doing a really big part in that world, we're proud to be able to do that at every installation where we operate. So it's kind of cool for the month of October. It sounds like a lot of what you do is October, November, December. And it's the time when the holidays were people really need that. They need the love and they need the, I guess, the uplift of, of having mm-hmm. something good around them. Yep. It is. It's a, and you know, and I appreciate you all doing that. I mean, we're always, thankful for any other organizations out there supporting a veteran or first responder because it obviously is no one organization can meet that need although our mission allows us to do pretty much anything we know it's nothing we can do by ourselves so we're always thankful for other people that are helping and you know i think the meal the other thing about the meals is it connects it's a family thing i mean it's the family that's serving and both our first responder veterans this is this is not a single person making the sacrifice there's there's kids and their spouses that are that are making the sacrifice along with that member. So, you know, the meals is a way to just honor that and, and recognize them. So it is, I, I do like that a part about it. Yeah. That's why we appreciate Jody every day too, because she's a military spouse. She's walked in the, in the footsteps, she walked in their boots as, as she always says. And, yeah. and she knows what it's like because it, the family does the sacrifices family makes that doesn't get as much attention. We, we typically focus on those that are protecting the country, but, the families are the are the core of it too. Yes, absolutely. None of us could do it without the support of our spouses. I always said, you know, when the, the service member raised the right hand and swore to defend the Constitution, and they get recognized for that. But the family, yep. in a way, has done the same. I mean, they they serve equally, if not more. Sometimes they, my wife, you know, she didn't have a career because I moved all the time. I mean, that's what it was just the reality of it. And um, you know, that sacrifice is daily. And when she passed, I thought. I always felt guilty. I mean, I would get a medal and I would go, I don't know. She didn't ever <laughs> got recognized for what she did. Yeah. But I know that whatever award or whatever recognition I received was because of her. I couldn't have done it without her. So well said. It's all a part of passion of, of what we try to do at the foundation and personally for me that makes sure that we recognize the families. You were at Randolph and Eglin. Were you were those your two stations? My last two. Okay. My last two stations was Randolph and Eglin. All right. Where were you where else? I did Alaska twice, North Carolina twice, Kansas, Turkey, overseas, D.C., one tour in D.C., and then those two. Okay. Yeah. Plus we got some Kansas love in there. Right? I know. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Kansas. That was one of our favorite assignments. He made that up. Yeah. That was a great assignment. We loved it there. <laughs> I think you've touched on this last piece here a little bit. We've talked about first responders throughout some of your answers. But are there specific grants or equipment or training that you do focused on that part of the community that you serve? Or is everything that you've described and talked about something that's available for veterans and first responders alike? Yes, everything we've talked about is for both veterans and first responders and their families. That We do have a first responder outreach programmatic pillar. That That is specific to first responders, and it does provide equipment and training to our first responders around the nation. Now, I will tell you a lot of that's focused on volunteer fire departments. Okay. who protect, I th- I think, 75 to 80% of this nation is protected by volunteer firemen and women. So sometimes they don't have 
resources like a city would. And so we're out there providing jaws of life. We provide boats. We've provided tires for their vehicles. We gear, all kinds of things, whatever they need to get the job done. We do those. There's a lot of need out there in that. Um, We process, oh, 105 departments last year. We will do more than that this year, but there's probably requests from us for like 600. I mean, there's a lot of need out there in the first responder for those grants and equipment. We just did some training. We do training around the country where they, for volunteer firemen, where they can get some access to some really good training for them that we provide free of cost. And we also serve meals at that forum. We do, we combine it with the serving heroes and, and provide meals for the day. So it's a, it's any equipment and training for first responders. But I would say the majority of is volunteer fire. I never would have guessed 75 to 80%. I know. Kind of astounding. I would have failed that on a trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> I a, tend to fail trivia it's a, questions. It's a really neat initiative. It's, you know, and all these programmatic pillars here were, you know, Gary's vision, you know, as he stood up this foundation, when he looked back at what he did and where the needs were, that's what he kind of built this foundation around. So. Before we get to our, I think we've just got one more question, right? Mm-hmm. I've got two more small questions for Jim, okay? <laughs> he has a way so, of doing this. Too. Hey, Jim, what's your favorite all-time military movie? Oh. Forrest Gump's not, you can't say that, it's bias. <laughs> Back in the deck. Saving Private Ryan. Okay, that's mine too. That's a good All one. Right. Yeah, I'll have to, you know, my, like I said, my dad was World War II. I, I've always grown up studying about World War II and just, you know, if anything brings a tear to my eyes, the thought of what those, what that generation yeah. did. And that movie is just. It's well done, you know, well we acted, well directed. And, and yes, the, just the imagery and the, it's yeah. so believable. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Really captured what, what we asked that generation to do and how, how it was the sacrifice that was made. Yeah. The other question is, and Gary's not going to listen to this, is he? So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how would you rate Lieutenant Dan's band? One to 10, 10 being great. Oh, honestly, a 10. They are they're a cover band. They literally- he wants to be employed again, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah. I would say even if you're, they are people that, oh, it's a cover band. It's get, you know, it's an it's an actor who's got a band. Yeah. But I will tell you, they are really, they're really good. good musicians, they are, right? I mean, it's a yeah. it's a full band. And they do it amazing. Gary has done more shows for the military than anybody in the history. I think he's over 550. He's He's this generation's Bob Hope, isn't he? People call him that, right? People mm-hmm. have started to call him that because, but he's out there. I mean, on a normal year, Gary will do 30 concerts around the country and he's done them around the world. He's done a lot. He he loves the band. I, I think when I watch Gary, I mean, he's very happy. With That's his <laughs> his outlet, I think. And just to just be there yeah. to entertain the, the troops and stuff. It means a lot to him because he knows, I think Gary... Well, I'll say this. When you walk in our office, there's a picture of Gary. And I tell people when everybody comes in the office, this is what I tell them about. There's a picture of Gary in the back of an aircraft with a casket, a flag draped casket, and he's kneeling down. And in the picture, there's like five other people and they're starting to stand up. But Gary's kneeling with his eyes closed. I don't think he even knew there was, it wasn't a photographer, it wasn't a professional photographer. Someone snapped this picture at that moment. But the other people in it are somewhat blurry as they're moving and he's not. Mm. And I, when I look at that picture, I said, that's what I feel represents Gary is he, he pauses for this. He feels this sacrifice. He understands what we ask these men and women to do for us to have our freedoms and the price that's paid and that ultimate price. And it's so meaningful to Gary that I feel like Gary spends his life trying to repay a debt that he can't. And the band for him to be out with the band and to play for these troops, to let him know again, thank you. And I will come out here and, and, and be here for you 
if one of you show up or 5,000 of you show up, I'm here for you. And it's, I think that's why the band's so special. And they are, they are extremely good. It's the same band members been with Gary for 15 years. It's, it's a pretty amazing band. And Gary always says, you know, I just have to, sh if I just show up, that's good enough, right? Just showing up is great. Just showing up because people know you took time out of your, yeah. your day and, you know, and it's for him to do it. It's what he did in the hospitals in the beginning. He just showed up. He recently, he and his band recently played at Nellis Air Force Base where we have one of our banking centers and yes. just a few months ago. And yes. so my challenge to you is I need this, I need his schedule. So when, wherever they're playing, if I can get there, I want to see him. Oh, absolutely. Tom is a concert enthusiast. I'm a concert. Yeah, I go to a concert once a week. More than that, and, probably. <laughs> and I would, yeah, probably right. Yes. Yeah. I have a concert in my head. <laughs> you are so, your own band. <laughs> so do, do you have a schedule off the top of your head or not? If not, I don't, we'll get I'll it later. Check. Okay. Yes, I will check. All right. Yep. He did get back out on the road. I'm holding you to that. Yeah. So everything you've said is awesome. I think we could talk for hours about all the great things that you've done with the organization as well as what the foundation has done over the last decade plus that they've been in service, taking care of veterans and first responders. I guess the pressing question, the most important question is how can our listeners, how can they get involved? What can they do? I know you've got a donate button on your website yep. and I know there's volunteer opportunities and reaching out to you and just like I reached out to you on a cold call and asked you to be on a podcast, people can do the same thing. Just ask. Just ask. And, and, and they'll be able to show up just like Gary does. Yes, we will. So you can go to our website, GarySiniceFoundation.org. You can click the donate button. We love to have monthly partners to come on board and just commit, be with us for these families, you know, long term because the needs are great. We're very efficient with what we do with the donor dollars. We're very cognizant of that, of the sacrifice that's made even for us to to go out and do these things. But yeah, we'd love to have supporters want to volunteer like for Snowball. Like yeah. you were talking about, you go to the website, go under our programs and look under Snowball Express. And at the bottom, there'll be a place to to volunteer if you'd like to be a part of that. You know, the great stat about your organization is 87 cents out of every dollar goes to the funds and programs. A lot of these, a lot of nonprofits, I'm going to speak in generalities, a lot of administrative costs, a lot of other things. But to give that much back to those programs is a testament to Gary's heart. Yes, it is. And it's, you know, he he put his name on the foundation. He didn't name it some random. Right. <laughs> called it the Gary's News Foundation. He bears responsibility for how it performs, and it means a lot to him. And this, as a staff, we, we do our best always to get the maximum impact of a donor dollar out to a family in need. And there's there's countless amazing stories. Our social media team does a great job sharing those. If you ever want to know, follow, follow us on social media, on Instagram. And Facebook, and you can see the stories of the people we're helping every day. All these programs that are being developed, there's probably going to be more programs being developed, but we won't get into those. And maybe, maybe our next visit can be all the all the great things you're doing because you've yes. found other other ways of doing stuff. We do. We try to adapt because, like I said, Gary's mission is very broad. So yeah. we try to adapt to the needs out there. So we try to stay in touch with the these communities that are recipients to see what it is they need and do the best we can. To help as many people as we can. So obviously we shifted a lot into mental health. We didn't talk about that, but we're we do a lot in for PTS, TBI, and substance abuse for the veterans because that's a big driver in those communities. And we really want to make an impact there. So we have a huge outreach into that. Well, that's a that's a great way to, to end the conversation too, because there's just more to come, as they say. Yes, more to so. come. I think he just got invited back. He did. <laughs> Only if I can see Lieutenant Dan Band. Somewhere between here and okay. there. Okay. Yes. All right. Be careful what you we'll ask for, Jim. Make that happen. 
I want backstage pass. Yeah. yeah. He may be yes. he may be body surfing in the front row. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, you know, I've never missed a mosh pit in my life. All right, go. There's so many things to say right now, but I won't. It's time for the military minute. It is, but first I'm gonna say thank you to Jim. I appreciate you being here to share the heart of the Gary Sinise Foundation. It is clear that he's done a great job sort of setting the vision and these pillars in place, but I think it's people like you and Ginger, your wife, that have put the feeling into that across the country. So thank you for being here. We would love certainly to have you back. But as Tom mentioned, if you can stick around a couple more minutes, we have this endearing little game that we play (laughs) called the Military Minute. Last week, for those that are playing along at home, our Military Minute trivia, and you might know this, but so you can't answer which insect assisted in the aerodynamics of the F-117 fighter jet? Do you know that? Let's answer? let Jim. I had to put him on the spot. Take a minute. I don't know that one. Uh, I would have to think. I stumped the metallurgist. The, did you just say that word again? <laughs> I did. Metallurgy. I'm going to use Metal- it one more time <laughs> today. I think I'm allergic to metallurgy. Yes. <laughs> I don't know the insect. Well, let me think about what it looks like. Just hit Google. Nope. It, no, no, no cheating. No cheating. I won't Google. I won't cheat. I don't know. Okay. It's the bumblebee. The bumblebee. Who knew? He, he's disappointed in the answer. I know. You could tell. It's not a very majestic I was insect. Bumblebee, but I yeah. look like a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully somebody in our listening audience got that right and posted that last week. But to fast forward to this week's Military Minute, very appropriate here, I think. We're going to go with some pop culture, sort of, but related to Gary Sinise from Forrest Gump. So nobody answer. But the question is, what was the first lesson Lieutenant Dan told Forrest and Bubba regarding GI gear that can be the difference between a live grunt and a dead grunt? And literally, I kid you not, as I'm sitting here, the answer just popped into my head. I'll tell you afterwards. Right. The answer, though, when you see our podcast hit Facebook or Instagram, we need you to post your answer and you'll have a chance to win $50 for you and a $50 donation to a charity of your choice. You know, you know what I love about that is that charity, that I knew the answer. No, the no. charity of your choice because I think from <laughs> some of our podcast winners from the Military Minute have donated to the Gary Sinise Foundation. So it'd be a great place to oh, do that. I know it's not. It's great, isn't it? Great. I mean, we've had probably ten or that eleven winners, great. and a couple of them, yeah, three or four of them have picked Gary Sinise Foundation. So whatever's awesome. happening out there, keep doing it. Thank you. It was a full circle moment, Tom. Yes. So if you enjoyed today's episode, go out to afbank.com and subscribe to the show. Also, make sure to rate us, leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Jim, I'll give you a 10 out of 10 today. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. It was an honor. Thank you. Same here. Take care. Copyright 2022 Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. All non-Armed Forces Bank-owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced herein are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law, Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.